The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hi, I'm Rick Martinez. I am a cookbook author, video host, and I love making my own birthday cake. I'm Carla Lolly Music. I'm also a cookbook author, video host, and recently someone on YouTube described me as a wine ant, and I think it's going to stick. Love that. Rick and I have been solving and laughing our way through food problems together for more than a decade in test kitchens, in videos, and at magazines. And now we're doing it here on Borderline Salty, the show where we take your calls, boost your confidence, and make you a better, smarter, happier cook just like us. Today we'll weigh in on creative flavor pairings, the best ways to use up your celery, and how to mind your damn business in the kitchen. Backseat drivers in the kitchen. Simmer down, you backseat cookers. (laughs) But before we dive in, Rick, tell me something good. Carla. Rick. So I love certain recipes that I make only once a year or for special occasions, but there's something that's really incredible about that anticipatory, it's almost here, it's almost time to make that thing again, and I just recently had one of those events. For my birthday, as you know, we're both summer babies and... Yeah, way to bury the lead here. Happy (laughs) birthday. (laughs) Thank you. And it was really incredible because my father came up from Texas. This was his first time in Mazatlan. He came to see the house and meet the dog and that was all really amazing. But the cake was really the showstopper. It is this really simple... One bowl chocolate cake with some brown butter and some malted milk powder. But really, what is the showstopper in this cake is the frosting. It is a buttercream with chocolate 
and malted milk powder. I love malt. It's so good. And when you put it in a frosting, it just like transforms it. It gets a little fluffier. It gets a little creamier. It amps up the milky flavor. And then you get this sort of chocolatey, malty situation. And, you know, I actually put quite a lot of it. It's almost a 50-50 ratio of frosting to chocolate cake. Yeah, yeah, as it should be. I mean, it's my birthday, so what the hell? Right, this isn't a crumb coat. (laughs) And the beauty about making your own birthday cakes is that you're never disappointed because, you know, you're never going to eat store-bought crappy birthday cake. They're never going to misspell your name or, like, it's not going to say happy graduation (laughs) when it's really your birthday. It's just you and this delicious cake. And my favorite thing about my birthday is the day after I get to have birthday cake and black coffee for breakfast. Oh, my God. Leftover cake. It's almost all worth it for the leftover cake. A hundred percent. I want to ask you, do you keep the leftovers on the counter or in the fridge? Well, it depends on how hot it is. Right. I usually let it stay out for one day just because I feel like the cake absorbs more of that butter, you know, as it's like seeping out of the frosting. But then after the day, I put it in the fridge to, you know, keep it safe. Well, that's an awesome way to celebrate your birthday. I love that you, you're never someone to not treat yourself, but I love that it carries over to birthday cake as well. Obviously. So Carla, why don't you tell me something good? Well, I am enjoying a little bit of city gardening. And every spring, summer, we kind of re-up on the outdoor plants. And then I get new herbs. So I have like couple different kinds of mint and a couple different kinds of basil. And I've got a rosemary plant and some chive plants that made actually really pretty flowers. But this year, when I went to the farmer's market in the beginning of the season, one of my favorite growers was also selling plants. And he was selling a perilla leaf plant. And perilla leaf, for people who don't know, is related to sesame. And it's very typical to use these leaves when making a som wrapper for Korean barbecue. So you can use lettuce wrapper with perilla tucked inside. You could just use a perilla leaf. And the flavor is, I think because I had never tasted perilla until I was deep into adulthood. So When you have a new flavor at that stage in your life, like it's just really special, you know, like, oh, I've never, you know, never tasted it before. And it's kind of a cross between like minty, but it's got like a woodsy flavor to it. And the leaves like have a little bit of fuzz on them, but I just, it's an indescribable flavor, which is maybe why I love it. So now we have perilla leaf growing and I can just clip some off every time I barbecue and make a little som wrapper. Love it. And they're beautiful plants. They're beautiful. I actually used to use it. I would put it in iced tea. It's all really good for granitas or any kind of beverages. Make a simple syrup with it and make it into a cocktail. Ooh, yum. Super delicious. Ooh, I got to experiment a little bit because it is, it's really hearty. And I have a black thumb. So like every plant I bring in, I apologize in advance. (laughs) (laughs) But it's doing really well. Hey, Rick, are you ready for some listener questions? Hi, caller. You're on the line with Rick and Carla. Hi, my name is Crystal. My question has to do with cooking duck. So I know that it's a fattier bird, but I can never quite get sort of that skin texture that I like. It always ends up being sort of squishy and rubbery and Usually what I've tried to aim for is more of that 
classic Peking Beijing style of roasted duck, where you have a really nice, crisp, golden, almost caramelized skin, and then that tender, juicy meat in the middle. I can never achieve that. It always ends up being just a kind of sad, squishy, rubbery skin. So if you can help me find a better way or the best way to cook a duck, that would be much appreciated. I love making duck. Perfectly cooked duck is just an amazing experience. And sadly, not a lot of people can cook it right. So Yeah. And I think this is one of the reasons is like people are intimidated by how much fat there is. Right. But it's also what makes it so delicious. I love the comparison to like the Peking duck that you get in Chinese restaurants that has like that crackling, sheared out skin. But the way that that's done is like a multi-step process with like blanching and thinging and hanging and drying out and then putting hot oil over it and draining. You know, it's like a whole thing. I don't know about you. I always like to score the skin, like do a crosshatch or at least just like long diagonals. And what that does is it kind of opens up that thick layer of fat. So it just creates more surface area for the fat to melt out of. Same applies for uh, piggies too. So like ham, pork shoulder. If it's got a thick layer of fat, score it and it'll it'll render. Totally. And then I like to start it in a cold pan. Yeah. And what that does is just allows things to start melting slowly instead of if you put the duck breast into a hot pan, it's going to sear and essentially like close those pores off from melting. Right. So if you've cross-hatched it, you start it in a low pan. And then that whole first phase of cooking is really just like rendering the fat. It could take like 10 or 15 minutes and you might even have to tilt the pan to pour out the fat that accumulates. Save it, pour it through a strainer and obviously save that. And then just gradually keeping it over medium heat until all of that fat renders. That's what's the squishiness that she's talking about is coming or the rubberiness is coming from just unrendered fat. Yeah. I think the hardest part is just waiting because it's a process. I mean, it can take like up to 30 minutes. You're just like standing there and you're pulling the fat out and it'll tell you when it's done. Like when you see that deep golden caramelized color on the other side and it's thin. Like so, you know, if you start out with maybe even a third of an inch or up to a half an inch in places of fat, you know, on the raw duck breast, by the time you've successfully and correctly rendered the fat, I mean, we should be like at maybe an eighth of an inch, if not like 16th of an inch of crispy skin. Yeah, just be careful that you're not browning the like outer layer before the fat has had a chance to melt. Right. And if it looks like it's browning too quickly, like if you're still at, you know, a quarter of an inch of fat and it's starting to get too much color, just reduce the heat and then just wait. And you just play the waiting game because you can always increase the heat. But if you get the skin too dark before the fat has rendered, it's really hard to deal with at that point because you don't want to put on any more color, but you're not going to have crispy skin, even though it's going to be very dark. Oh, my God. Yum. I want duck now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Rick, can you get that? Can somebody get the phone? Hi, uh, my name is Ruth Tompkins. I'm calling because I am hosting a chopped 
style food challenge for a few of my friends who are excellent home cooks. So I want to challenge them with surprise ingredients. And I'm going to be giving them a surprise ingredient for both a main dish and for a dessert that they'll have to prepare. I'm wondering what you guys would recommend or what you would be excited to work with if you were given that same challenge. And I'm thinking anything from like a box of craft Dinner to a sea urchin. Just to fill you in some more, the categories we're going to be kind of rating their dish on are creativity, prominence of the ingredient in the dish, the plating, and the overall taste of the dish. Thanks. I love the show. I love this idea. So fun. So funny enough, I used to work with and am friends with uh, the woman who used to buy the baskets for Chopped at the Food Network. Oh. And one of the things that she really enjoyed doing is going to really, really small bodegas and Mm. just finding bizarre little packaged goods. And I think that I think that's a fun way for Ruth to inspire creativity because when you go to a convenience store or bodega and you find that little, you know, package of Twizzlers or beer nuts and you pair that with something like king trumpet mushrooms or sea urchin, then you really, really have to dig deep and and find that creative inspiration to make those ingredients work together. I think it'll be really fun to watch and it'll be really fun to actually cook through. I think it's also really fun to challenge people to think against the grain. So giving a very savory flavor Mm -hmm. for the dessert category or giving like something super sweet that you have to figure out how to work into a main course. So like, you know, giving them beef jerky, but making them use it for the dessert or Skittles (laughs) that you have to figure out. Like, what are you going to pair those with? Or gummy candy or something like that to do. Or even a condiment. Yeah, yeah. Remember that time I was developing this recipe for a biscotte and I had to use green olives and white chocolate? Oh, what? It was the most bizarre combo. And I think that's what I love about surprise ingredients is that you have to figure out a way to make them work together. And I roasted the olives and dehydrated them and paired them with, like, the ridiculously sweet white chocolate. And they bizarrely worked on the biscotti. And I think that's what you kind of want to do with your guests in this challenge. That's super fun. This is like a version of Fridge Dive that, you know, just, like, ups the (laughs) ante. We should all be doing this with ingredients in our fridge that we're like... 100%. Oh, what am I going to do with that? And be like, you have to use it in dinner tonight no matter what. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Let's create another, like, a a Wednesday night challenge. Just, like, pull out that one thing that's been sitting in your pantry or your fridge for months. And, like, you have to make a dinner using this ingredient. Whatever happens, it is going on somebody's (laughs) plate tonight. Exactly. Line two, you're on. Hi, Rick and Carla. This is Vince, and I have a celery conundrum. Every time I cook a recipe, I use like three or four ribs of celery, and then I have the rest kind of like languishing really sadly in my crisper drawer. Do you have any recommendations for what to do with the rest of those celery stocks? Thanks, Rick and Carla. This is such a great question, because I feel like you only ever need like two or three stalks of celery and then you have like this whole head left. Yeah. And I love this question too because I love celery. And it's so good. 
And one of the reasons I love it is because it is so affordable and the yield is so high. So when you buy like an actual bunch of celery, it does. It's like a lot of celery and it's probably cost you $2. I also think that the reason people don't really know what to do with it is because we like have conditioned them, recipe developers, to believe that Celery is always the backup player. It's always yeah. just like bringing up a little flavor, or a little bit of crunch. But what we need to do is we need to start recasting celery as the star or the co-star of That's a dish. That's right. And one thing that I like to do is, especially in stir fries, I think celery is great for a stir fry because it adds crunch and flavor. But if you think about uh, stir fries that, you know, like beef and broccoli, and then just like totally ditch the broccoli and just sub in celery, you will have a really flavorful dish. You'll have like that beautiful texture and crunch. And all of a sudden, it's a co-star and it's bringing its A-game. I really, really love it. The other thing that I love is pairing it with apple. I think apple and celery, like especially in like a Waldorf or also in a stir fry or baked with chicken, Mm. super, super delicious. It's funny you mentioned celery and apple. It's so classic in a Waldorf. And our good friend Andy Baragani, his new book, The Cook You Want to Be, I've been reading it. In bed, it's a beautiful book. It's awesome. I love Andy. But he has a recipe for a celery apple and blue cheese salad that I'm dying to oh make. My God, stop. Yeah, you like soak the celery in ice water and it gets even crunchier. Ugh. I love it in Caesary preparations. Mm-hmm. A celery Caesar is delicious. And I have a recipe, and that sounds so good, called Sorry I Like Celery, because half of us in this household really like celery. The other half hate it. And I think that that's true anecdotally. Like, some people really don't like it. So my recipe, Sorry I Like Celery, is mostly celery in, like, an anchovy, lemony, garlicky, parm, olive oil, Aleppo pepper dressing that is just really punchy. And the celery is so crunchy in that way that like not a lot of things are. I also love, have you ever had tiger salad? No, what's that? So tiger salad you'll find a lot in Sichuan Chinese restaurants where it's often like the antidote to spicy dishes. And it's usually just celery, green pepper, scallion, cilantro, a little bit of rice vinegar, a little bit of soy, and it it's like very cooling, very refreshing. It's perfect for summer. I bet celery and watermelon would be great together. Ooh, no mustard. Just FYI. No mustard. <laughs> <laughs> also, PSA, celery is a very good stimulant for the production of sperm. Just well, FYI. there you go. Yes. So, Vince, now you know what to do with the rest of your celery. (laughs) Just out here changing lives. (laughs) Making people happier cooks. And their partners. Borderline Salty, you've reached us during working hours. Hi, my name is Lucia, and I have a problem I am what you might call a chef-splainer. Chef-splainer. This is a term I learned about recently from another podcast that refers to someone who simply can't resist telling other people how to cook in the kitchen. I have a problem when anyone else but me is cooking in my kitchen, specifically my fiancé. Whenever he's making something, I can't help but hover over him. and I offer what I think are great tips for doing things better, but I know I'm being annoying and condescending. Do either of you have this 
problem? Any advice on how not to do that? I have been accused of doing the same thing when other people cook in the house. And you're really shooting yourself in the foot with this one because having other people cook for you is the greatest gift of all. So you don't want to ruin that. Also, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Like, if they're if they're cooking for you, presumably they like you and or love you. And, you know, like, I think, because I, I also have been guilty of this, you know, you see somebody, like, hacking through an onion and you're like, can I just please show you the proper yeah. way to cut an onion? Totally. I have to just walk away. Like, I just go read a book in the other room. I just tell them, you know what, I'll wash dishes or I can be your sous chef or I'll just go away and do something else. But I think it's just better for all of us if I'm just not in the kitchen. Because also you might be making your fiancé nervous. Yeah. Like maybe he's aware that you are a better cook than he is. Mm -hmm. And so maybe he just, you know, he wants to show you some love, but maybe you're hurting his feelings. And so maybe you should just leave the kitchen. Yeah, give him a little space. I was going to say the exact same thing. Like just be the person... In the living room with your feet up and lean into it. That person is having fun cooking. You could be like, I'm going to put on a rad playlist. What do you want to listen to while you're cooking? And then if you really can't control yourself, then you got to go. Yeah, yeah. She has the (laughs) (laughs) self-awareness. And this is just some of the like free relationship advice that you might get here on Borderline Salty because uh, it's all about the home and the heart. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Before we go, it is time for No Thank You, Please. This is a segment where we talk about ingredients that 
maybe haven't gotten the time to shine that they deserve. And today we're going to be talking about an ingredient that we get tons and tons of calls about. Our listeners are very intimidated by this ingredient, don't know what to do with it, think it's more trouble than it's worth, and generally just really shy away. And that ingredient is... Artichokes. The first time I ever had an artichoke was in my early 20s. I was dating this guy who was from California, and he loved artichokes, but he only knew of one preparation, and that is the boil them forever until they turn like this weird olive <laughs> army green color. They're completely mushy, and then dip the leaves and the poor watery gross heart into butter. And I went along with it because, you know, I like butter, but I feel like that's kind of (laughs) the only thing that I could taste at that point because there was no flavor in the artichoke. And I honestly just didn't even know what to do with an artichoke other than boil it forever. I grew up eating artichokes, but I love them. But we never boiled. We would always steam them. They take a long time to steam whole. And I think the reason that those preparations are popular is because It's the least amount of prep, and a lot of people are just intimidated by the physical appearance of the artichoke, which is part of the thistle family, and it is literally covered in tiny little cat claw thorns. This is a vegetable that can, like, injure you. It'll cut you. (laughs) It's, like, on the attack. (laughs) And then people are very freaked out, like, there's a fuzzy choke? What the hell? Like, am I going to choke on this thing? And then when you clean them, there's quite a bit of waste because the leaf, like the top two-thirds of the leaves, is not edible. It's too fibrous, too tough. So people get really freaked out. Oh, my God, I'm throwing so much away. But I love them, and they're worth getting to know. It's worth learning how to prepare them. And I'm sure I have descriptions of how to prep them. Where cooking begins, I have an artichoke pasta, one of my favorites. And And a pretty good description of how to do it, but it also is just something you can watch somebody do on YouTube, and once you see somebody do it once or twice, you can do it. And also, the nice thing is, is you're never going to buy just one. So if you're making this, you're probably going to buy four, six, eight of them. So by the time you finish cleaning all of them, you are now an expert in cleaning an artichoke. Yeah, it's one of those things that people will order in a restaurant because they want somebody else to like do the work for them. But I think you can get beyond that. And there's a lot, like, think about all the other ingredients that we spend plenty of time prepping before we cook it. Like, people are more than happy to be stripping kale off the thing to make their kale salads. And, like, so it takes 15 or 20 minutes. Like, that's a normal amount of prep. Also, they're very impressive. When you put down a tray of fried artichokes or grilled artichokes or braised or roasted artichokes— the people at your table are going to think, God damn, this guy loves me. That is some <laughs> impressive shit. Those baby fried artichokes are actually one of the classic dishes of Rome. So whenever you go, you have to order artichokes a la Judea, and they're deep fried and crispy and amazing. Oh, my God. I don't know why I just thought of this, but what I really want to do now, I want to wrap artichokes in foil and throw them on the grill and then just let them, like, slow cook and get a little bit of smoke and get just nice and tender. And, oh, oh, my God, that sounds so good. (laughs) Can you get artichokes in Mazatlan? 
I have never seen them. I can probably get them from Mexico City. I have a, I have a, I have a veg dealer in Mexico City. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I might have to give him a call this afternoon. And that's it for this week's episode of Borderline Salty. But don't worry, we'll be back next week. You can find recipes and recommendations from this week's episode in our show notes. If you have a question or a fear you want us to help you through, you can always leave us a voicemail at 833-433-FOOD. That number again is 833-433-3663. Borderline Salty is an original production by Pineapple Street Studios. We're your hosts. I'm Rick Martinez. I'm Carla Lolly Music. You can find links to our work in the show notes for this episode. Natalie Brennan is our lead producer. Janelle Anderson is our producer. Our managing producer is Agarenish Ashagre. Our assistant producer is Mari Orozco. Our head of sound and engineering is Raj Makija. Mixing and engineering by Davy Sumner and Jason Richards. Our assistant engineers are Sharon Bardalis and Jade Brooks. Original music from our very own Raj Makija. Additional music from Vincent Vega, Spring Gang, and Glovebox courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Legal services for Pineapple Street are provided by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson Des Rochers. Our executive producers are Max Linsky and Jenna Weiss-Berman. We appreciate Crystal, Ruth, Vince, and Lucia for calling in this week. And thanks to you for listening. Talk to you next week. Yeah, talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Later, Gator. Mwah. Gotta go. See you later. Ciao. Ciao. I'm gonna get off. Adios. I gotta hang up. (laughs) Bye-bye.